Welcome to the Busy Mumsy Podcast. I'm your coffee-infused host, Ashley Verma, and I'm here to share all my ups, downs, and all-arounds of being a mom to my gorgeous Adia, owning a fitness business called Define London, and truly managing being a unsingle single mom as we cheer on my husband and his amazing business in Uganda. Oh, yes. Oh, oh. Is this a mic check? You heard that right. Uganda, and he is not doing the daily commute. So each week, I will be joined by a fellow inspiring, thriving, and surviving busy mumsy. We all need to take a deep breath together. We try, we navigate, and not be too hard on ourselves. I get it. I am human, and failures simply happen. I am not shiny, and I am never filtered unapologetically. I am, at its best and worst, busy mumsy. It's Busy Mumsy time, my beautiful friends. Ashley Verma here. And today we got a first. We've got a Busy Mumsy first. Today's guest has no Instagram account. What? Sound the alarms and call security because this is shocking. Oh my gosh. Honestly, I say this jokingly because, oh, what we all probably would give to not live that Instagram, no real no filter or having like my mom will call and be like, I haven't seen that circle light up in a while. And I just wanted to know if you were okay. I mean, come on. (laughs) This next guest has been striving, thriving and surviving, building a billion pound business alongside her husband for decades. We are talking about a true ride or die power couple. Today, I welcome Sunita Aurora onto the Busy Mumsy podcast. She is the co-founder and executive director of the Aurora Group. She has been actively involved in the business since its inception in 1999. She then went on to launch a group of award-winning nurseries for younger children throughout London. I cannot wait to dive into the conversation with Sunita and just hear about her journey. So let's go. Sunita Aurora, welcome to the Busy Mumsy podcast. Thank you, Ashley. It is so wonderful that we finally get to connect as our families know each other. Um, However, you and I have just not met yet. So thank you. Thank you a million times over um, because we've done a lot of emailing back and forth for the listeners. Uh, More so my fault. More so my fault. So um, just so the listeners know, I'm actually um, recording um, this particular Busy Mumsy chat with Sunita from Uganda, um, being reunited with my husband. Um, for a lot of the listeners know that I am constantly just with Adia on my own. So raising a child while my husband is, you know, making business happen in Uganda. So we've been very lucky to be reunited. So I want to, Sunita, there's, I mean, there's just so many things. I mean, I, I instantly get nervous because um, for the listeners, uh, Sunita Aurora is actually one of the founders, the board head members of the Aurora Group. So, aka, we are tuning in to someone from the Billionaires Club, and that is so unbelievably inspiring. Like that, it's it it really just at the top of my 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 list of questions and things to chat with you about, Sunita inspiration, women empowerment. And it's so, it just gets you into the heart and into your gut. And I know for the Busy Mumsy listeners, we feel that when we have a child, we instantly have to let that go. 
And we have to instantly let go of that drive. And I know that you did not do that. <laughs> so I really want to kind of go back. We're going to go back to memories, memories that were made, memories of a time 39 years ago when you... Yes. Um, when you and Sarinda, your husband, um, 40 got years. together, 40, 40 years, years. 40 years. I actually first, I actually first want to ask you about your engagement. Oh gosh. Okay. Well, we're starting. You know <laughs> I was very young. Um, I had an arranged marriage. Um, my mother sort of was desperate to get me, um, sort of engaged. She was looking for all these suitors. I didn't want it because my mother is from um, a small village in India called Jalanda. And my mother is very, very old fashioned that she wanted to sort of pick my suitor and make sure that, you know, there was somebody who was going to look after me. So she did find somebody, but I didn't like him. And I then sort of got... To, got him to one side and moved on with my life. And then slowly and slowly, then my mom sort of started again. And I said, I wanted to go to university. I wanted to, you know, sort of do my career. Um, I didn't want to sort of just settle down. I was far too young. Um, but I think in those days, um, I think when we go back to our parents' generation and to um, generations of definitely my era, which was 40, 45 years ago, I think a lot of people were sort of settling down early. And in that process, I met my husband now. Um, and even though I wasn't looking, it was just when they say that Cupid came to me and went straight into my heart, that was where it all went. And we then had a connection. Um, we had we had nothing at that time. I mean, we were solely very, very normal people. Um, so we sort of got together. Um, I was 18, uh, very, very young still. And so it sort of elapsed that we had a connection that we wanted to be together. And we sort of knew that we could make things work. So mum was happy, I was happy, and I got married when I was 19. So very, very young, but it was just, it wasn't a forced marriage or anything like that. We met, it, it was, was a love marriage. Life. It was a love marriage and we met together and whether it was young or old, we just knew that we were going to be together. So my journey then started with my husband, um, who also does have his own sort of um, story, but I won't go into that. Um, and then we started to sort of um, build our life and... Um, we got married, we were um, sort of settled in Southall, uh, where all the sort of Asian uh, community was. Um, Srinda, my husband, wanted to live with his parents, which I think a lot of, lot of sort of um, Asian uh, sort of families do. They, they have uh, a connection with their in-laws. And because my, my husband was like the last child to get married, everybody else had gone. So there was no really, um, we can't do this. Where would we put, our, put your parents? So I then started my wedded life with an extension of a life of um, a mother-in-law and a father-in-law. And I'm not going to say that it wasn't hard because it was hard because I was very young and I thought, oh, you know, I'm so in love and, you know, I'm going to sort of 
going to the world with this man and I want to, you know, go around. But his mother wasn't um, sort of a well person. So I ended up sort of being the person that was going to be at home. And my husband was working at British Airways as a sort of worker in one of their big cargo, world cargo. So he's, he, he had a lot of shifts. So it meant that I was sort of on my own, really, for quite a while because my mother-in-law used to go out a lot. Father-in-law never used to really want to sort of sit where I was. He was wanting to stay in his own room most of the time. So really, I was a young sort of girl who got married to the love of my life and then ended up probably being a little bit lonely, if I'm being honest, and trying to make my own life somehow being in this house, which was a strange house for me at the time, and, you know, slowly trying to sort of build up, you know, friendships with neighbours and, you know, just trying to sort of be um, somebody who's just now been catapulted into a life where it's suddenly like it was so sort of magnificent at the time and now suddenly, wow, I'm not with anybody now. Everybody's left me. So... Being alone now is very different, pre, like pre-social media, yes, pre yes. All, all of the, the technology that we have. Yeah. So it's not like, oh, back in the day, it's 10 years ago, being alone is very different to now. Yes, so how definitely. did you, at, at, you know, your 19, your 20 year old self now, you know, living with the in-laws and everything, how did you handle your emotional side, like how, how was that for you? Um, I've always been quite um, a, a strong person. Um, anytime there is anything to worry about, I think other people used to worry. I used to find some way of getting through through this. And I've always been like that, even now as well, you know, when there's a crisis, I tend to be the one, right, you know, shake yourself down, we can do this, we have to be positive. And, and that includes, being a mum to my my children as well, you know, constantly, you know, there's problems along the way, but I tend to deal with it in my way of not just collapsing in a heap and just saying, well, I can't deal with this. And I'm, of course, everybody goes through their own sort of um, personal issues in a different way. And there is times when I, I can be so overwhelmed with so much of my problems that I am very much, you know, um, at a stage where oh, how am I going to deal with this? But then something at the back of my head says, Snita, all those years ago, you could de deal with this. You can do this now. So I just then started to sort of um, find options, whether I could do sort of things which would occupy me. Would there be things that I could do which would be enjoyable for me? So I, I started to join sort of uh, one of these local um, gym places and, you know, sort of meet friends where... I would get on top of my health uh, and, and but then find friends as well. So I started to sort of go out a little bit more and, you know, sort of just make friends, which I could sort of depend on when no one's at home the whole day. I will have to say, too, you had kids at a younger age as well. I did. I did. Which I then did. instantly puts you into a different, a whole other mindset of yes. adulting. Yes. Right? I so it wasn't. Sorry. You didn't even have that kind of honeymoon stage. You just went I right didn't. into Well, I think what happened with my situation is that maybe the loneliness overwhelmed me so much that I needed 
to care for um, a child. So I think one of the reasons why it actually happened so early is that I was trying to compensate something in my life which I wanted to keep busy. And that is why I then went straight into having my first child at a very early age. So I was just sort of just over 20, 20 and a half when I had my first daughter. And it was a very tough pregnancy. Um, I was uh, very much, uh, you know, sort of not well after she was born. Um, I think uh, I had a lot of support, but I would say probably not as much as I would want it. Um, at that time, there wasn't, you know, people stayed in hospital when they had babies near enough sort of five or six days um, before they came out because it was a bit of a complicated pregnancy. So when I came back, I was completely washed out. And, you know, sort of, um, it, it sort of hit me very, very quickly that now I have got a baby crying next to me and I just need to get on with this now. And it was really, really hard at the beginning because, you know, I was, I was sort of barely at that age when, you know, it's like a child having a child, you know, I, I didn't know what to do with this child, like how to put a nappy on, how to uh, feed it, because I was literally, after a few months, left again on my own because everybody was working and it was, okay, now, me and you need to find some way that we can just deal with this. I was exhausted, um, just like every new mum, uh, we, you know, we go through these motions that, you know, we don't sleep, we don't sort of eat properly, we're juggling a child, you know, and the first sort of six months were very tough. Um, and, and I was, you know, sort of in tears sometimes when my husband would come home and, you know, and I would say, I can't do this anymore. Like, you know, it's just too much. And I think it happened too much too quickly for me at that stage where I suddenly felt I got married, I had um, a home life, I had to care for the house, and then now suddenly I've got a child. So maybe there was this sort of process that maybe I had postnatal after that, and I felt that I couldn't cope. And I think these days, everybody who has a child and they have these baby blues and it goes into a point when you can't sort of, you know, you're struggling on your own, there's no shame about it. Just admit that you cannot go on. It's nothing, it's nothing more than, it's a phase which will pass. But at that time, you need all the support you can and talk to somebody. Don't keep it in, which I probably did. And I was trying to be a martyr and say, oh, I can do like five or six things. And I'm not going to show any of my family that I'm actually struggling when you're here. So I was the 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 mum who would make sure that she she was in the best clothes she was fed she was clean when everybody came home so that they could see oh okay she's okay she's fine but that was my downfall which I shouldn't have done I should have asked for more help and did you find that you asked for more help when baby number two and baby number three came along, or you were already so used to navigating yeah. that ship, Sunita. <laughs> I think, I think um, my second child was um, uh, a mistake. Uh, she wasn't supposed to be born so quickly. There was um, 18 months between the two girls. But I think in a way it was good because they both grew up um, 
very much like sisters. I felt as if I had twins. Um, mm -hmm. And actually, it, well, it lessened the load a little bit that if my first daughter would have been about two or three and then I would have had another one, then maybe I might have struggled a little bit more. So they grew up together. I, I coped better when she was um, born. But I think it, in those first sort of five or six years of my married life, it was a serious struggle. Um, and my husband was then now getting to a point where his, his career was taking off uh, so quickly that then my next phase of life started with um, him leaving his job at British Airways, uh, me with two children and us then going and, be, you know, sort of moving into a, a new house, which was where we all wanted to be. We wanted to take the children out of um, Southall and we moved into Hayes. And was this then a transition for you to start work again? Or was it after baby number three, your, your little boy, who all, all, all three are grown now, but yeah, you know. Grown at the time. Now. So but after was, baby, yeah. sorry. No, go, after, go ahead, please. Uh, after baby number two, um, I put them sort of in nurseries and um, I decided that I needed a bit of time to sort of think about where I was going to be now as a career or you know what am I going to be doing I can't just sit at home I, I'm I'm just a very busy body I, I need to do something so I started um, to do um, my open university uh, courses at home to sort of gain a little bit more qualifications because I got married so early and I didn't really have that qualifications with um, getting a job uh, so I started to do more online courses. I um, I am still, after all these years, still doing psychology courses and diplomas, and I'm going to go right to the top, and I'm going to get that gown, and I'm going to put that on, and it's going to be the um, proudest moment for my husband because he's seriously encouraged me to do that. And psychology is something that I really, really love. So I'm still in the um, the point where I I. I've worked, I am working, but I'm, I'm studying at the same time. I'm juggling a lot of balls in the air. But the two girls then grew up and my husband then started um, a job with um, a, a huge insurance company, which um, catapulted my life into a very complicated situation because they used, because he was so good at what he did. Um, they would then say that we are going to sort of take you away. We are going to sort of look after you. So it meant suddenly my life was, okay, so I have to leave my kids now and I have to go with my husband. And that was the hardest thing is that we would have to go to conventions, um, whether it could be in Canada, um, Arizona, South Africa. Because of his job, I then had to leave my girls behind. And that was really tough. But it was a huge excitement for me because suddenly it was just me and him again and we were able to sort of have fun and we were able to sort of see the world but for the one week you know we had both the mums looking after the girls so you know they were looked after but you know I felt really it's mum guilt which a lot of uh, mums have is do I leave my child am I a really bad mum if I'm gonna leave my child no you're not because you're just having that time away to, as a couple, and you're having time away from not being a mum every day. And 
children are very adaptable. When they have somebody who's going to make them busy and they're going to love them, give them the cuddles, it's not that they won't remember you, but they will think, do you know what? That's okay. Mum's going to be back. And mum can have a little bit of, you know, sort of uh, time, spa time with her husband. So we then started to sort of go away, you know, and we had the most incredible time. And we were able to connect again as a couple um, coming, you know, sort of being there. But the life just got very, very more and more to a point where I, I was like, um, oh, can I can I be in this group? Can I can I have the have? Do I have the clothes? Do I have um, everything that I have? You know, to to build my life with these women, like they they look stunning. Like I've been a stay at home mum for so long. Will I be able to sort of join into what they're doing? Um, and slowly and slowly, I what I didn't sort of um, sort of adapt very well very quickly because. It was like, you know, black tie events and, you know, sort of things that I were very new to me. Like we get dressed up, we have to be at a lunch, we have to be at a dinner. It was just a lot of running around the whole time. And I was thinking, oh, is this what women do? <laughs> so I adapted to all of that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it took a few years because, you know, I, I didn't have somebody who, who sort of told me what how I have to dress and how I have to do things but you know we slowly learn um through looking at people and you know searching the um sort of search engines on the internet to find uh, the best clothes and the best sort of situations and I then had a totally different life when I came back um and every year we we used to go to conventions I would have the mummy guilt as soon as the plane was just taking off I I just wanted that plane to stop um and think I need to get out. My children. I've just left my children. I need to go back to my children. And there was times when I'd cry when I'd get to the other side and think, what am I doing? Like, you know, my kids are crying at home and I'm, I'm here, you know, sort of um, with ball gowns on and like, you know, what am I doing? So it was a tough time to sort of convince myself that I'm allowed to do that. Yeah, but it's and it's also the, the fact that you, you both were building blocks for your family's future. Yes. And it wasn't coming from a place of just, oh, just like you said earlier, you weren't abandoning them. They they kids are the most intuitive people, beings on the planet. They Absolutely. know. I mean, I have small mom guilt. I I dropped Adia off two hours ago at day camp. And oh. of course, you leave her just for, you know, the five hours just. And for me, I'm like, I'm going to go get this work done, that work done. Yes, there's yeah. mom guilt, but it's building blocks. It's things that you structure. It's like with my husband being away, he's creating the building blocks for Adia to have her best life, which is yeah. what you and your husband have done for yeah. your family. Absolutely. And I honestly, I, I, I honestly just think going back to the fact that you married young and had children young, you... I, you know, I, I'm always a firm believer that the man upstairs like kind of has things written on the wall and then how you kind of navigate through his his trajectory is it's is kind of like powerful and wonderful. And I just feel like you had such strength that you didn't even know about yeah. when you were first married and first had kids that you were able to just structure and build and build to where you are now. Absolutely. And it is such a powerful place. Um, and in such a powerful journey that you have gone to that 
now with three kids and you've gone on these, you know, tours with your husband and these building blocks and, you know, then the Aurora group was established and created and the the hotel empire um, that it is, where did you find then your business, like that business savvy gal? Like, did did you know that she was in there? Yes, I did. Um, I've always believed in my husband, who's always been a very, very career-minded soul who sort of taught me as well that hard work really pays off. So I thought to myself, how can we just deal with um, our careers together? So we just decided that we were going to work together. And with both of us working, that by now I'd had my third child, um, which was, we we left it for about four and a half years. um, So there's a bit of a gap. So we had had our family Uh, We didn't want any more children. And my husband is the sort of person who finds sort of a challenge and he wants to go for it. So we found uh, eight houses on um, the Bath Road, where where our journey started from. And he bought these eight houses in auction. Um, They looked so run down, grass overhanging. I was saying to him, I said, like, what have you, like, just done? Like, this, what is this going to be for us? We've just spent so much money on these like he said wait and watch he said this will be an amazing plot for me he was right and those houses then got turned into a bed and breakfast for British Airways staff cabin crew their head office was across the road to us so they would come over we would then uh, sort of have this bed and breakfast which I would run uh, in between school runs and homework and all these sort of things. And my husband would do the admin stuff and, you know, sort of the other bits and pieces to sort of mend the houses, make the houses. Um, and we turned it into um, Heathrow Standby Accommodation, HSA, which is now, um, we'll probably link it to another sort of a company. Um, but it was so successful. Uh, we would have cabin crew coming they wouldn't want to spend a lot of money because they were on a standby situation that whenever they were called, they needed to go across the road and get on a flight. So for them, they just needed a bed, a clean bed, clean sort of like, you know, tea, coffee. So it was a very basic um, uh, setting. So we did that for uh, a few years. Um, It was very successful. Then we opened a restaurant on site and then we did airport car parking, which then gave us a lot of revenue to sort of maybe project to go on somewhere else. But my husband decided that there was one factor that he wanted to do on that uh, site. He wanted to make a hotel for British Airways. And when he said that, I said, are you joking? You're going to make a hotel for British Airways. You don't have any idea how to run a hotel. We haven't got the money. Where are we going to get the money to build this hotel? He said, I'm going to speak to them. And I said, they're going to laugh it off and they're going to say, who are you coming over with, you know, your ideas? And he said, I'm not going to stop until I've spoken to them. And he did. He, he spoke to the CEO of British Airways across the road on quite a number of occasions. And finally, he was able to convince him that this hotel will be just solely for British Airways. And I in my heart, didn't believe that he was going to do it. Um, and 
the day he got planning permission for nearly 300 bedrooms was when my life just completely turned to another level. And he told me that he had just got Prince Sherwes to uh, give him the go ahead for a 10 year contract for building this 300 bedroom hotel and they were gonna use it and give him the contract and the money up front. I said, there's one factor here. Where are we going to get the money to build this hotel? We haven't got any money um, at that large. So he then went over to the banks and the banks were very kind to him. Um, somehow he got the money together and we built our first hotel at, um, on the Bath Road at uh, Heathrow. And that was the proudest moment of my life because we had achieved something as a couple. Um, on that occasion, there was over 600 people there who came for the opening and we had Cliff Richard um, open the, the um, hotel. And that was the start of our sort of journey. And today we have 18 hotels. So it was, you have to believe in your life. You have to believe in um, sometimes pushing it to another level which what we did as a couple, we, we took a um, sort of a challenge of, can we do this? Can we do this together? But we, we supported each other in, in our lives that even if it just went down, we would start all over again. It doesn't matter. But we thought that we are going to take this and we're going to take it to another level. And we did. And you just can achieve everything. And the children today, you know, are the proudest of their mums and dads. We have our son who's working in the, in the um, industry. Um, the one thing I always wanted to do with my children is give them the best education. And I, we, we both scrimped to make sure that they all, three of them went through to private schools and got their degrees. And today they have all got two degrees each. Um, and one's a lawyer, one's works for the Coots Banking. Um, my son works for um, the hotel business. So they're all sort of settled in their own way. But they, they did everything very differently to me. I wanted them to have um, their own choice of um, partners. They all found some incredible sort of um, partners which are so good for them. And they're all settled with their lives. And... Today, I can say all three of my children are settled and I am a grandmother of seven. I was, that was my next question. I was like, yes, you have yes. grandkids? Seven. I know. I have, I have seven grandkids and I'm very proud of all of them. I love them all, um, you know, sort of so amazingly, you know, as if they're my own. And I think the reason why I feel so confident now is I was able to spend time with them that I didn't was not able to spend with my own children when we were building the business up. And I see my girls sitting with their kids and reading to them and playing with them. And I just think it's the most wonderful, um, you know, sort of situation for me to see my kids being so loving towards their own and doing it differently to me, completely different to me. But I, I will say this, and I, I they probably have already said that I, I hope you don't look and then feel guilty that perhaps, you know what I mean? That mom guilt again years later, because 
My gosh. I honestly am like, I have chills listening to your story because everything you have done has come from love. It has. It has come from love and you have created memories that were just strong, structured building blocks to give the best life you possibly could. Absolutely. It is not something handed to you. It's not. And now you're able to enjoy your grandkids and enjoy your kids in a stage that, you know, it was different for you then. But I I do hope that when you when you see your kids with their kids, it's like it's empowerment. I really, really hope so. Amazingly. Unbelievably, it's um, so nice to see that. But I think in in the whole of this, my guilt was, uh, of course, I had a lot of guilt, you know, thinking that maybe I left my children and and they, so I I sat them all down when they were sort of, you know, maybe in their sort of early teens and stuff. And I said to them, I said, did you ever feel that mum was away? Did you ever feel that I never sort of was there when you came home from school or, you know, at your sports day or, you know, because I was traveling and I was doing things. They said, no, mom, because you compensated it when you came back. You you always gave us the hugs. You always gave, was there for us when we want you. So I just felt actually something had lifted over my shoulders that my kids actually didn't suffer. They didn't feel that mom wasn't around because the worst thing would have been having everything and then your children saying, well, you weren't very a good mother. You were, you were always away. You never did this. You never did this for us. But for my children to endorse that, mum, you were absolutely fine because you were just building the business and you were helping dad in everything. But we were fine. We were looked after. And that made me feel so much better. Oh, it's beautiful. Now, in the journey... 15 years ago, you also decided to open up nurseries. Yes. In, yes. In and I, what was the, obviously kids inspired you to do this. Where, where yes. did this come from? I mean, you are, I mean, just businesswoman right here. I, I can't even handle it. You are the busiest mumsy I know. Um, <laughs> you, you now decide to take on and create Little Brook yes. Nurseries. Yes. Um, please tell us more about, the inspiration behind this? Now, um, this was something that I wanted to do for myself. I think I had become this identity of a couple who had built an empire and they were going from strength to strength. So I decided at a point where I would just leave the business uh, to people who are now, my husband has 3,000 people working for him. He didn't need me now. So it was time to do something for me. So I wanted to do something for identity for me. And this was something that sort of came into my mind when I was being sort of interviewed by um, somebody for a magazine. And uh, it, was, it was about the power couple sort of thing. And they wanted to know where our journey had got to. And in one of the questions that somebody was asking me was, what do I do? What are my hobbies? What do I do on my own? except for the, you know, because my husband's business is, you know, the Aurora Group. It's a family business. But what do I do? I'm, I don't want to be just seen as I'm just a mum, which mums do a fantastic job, no doubt about it. But you've also got to have your own identity as well. So I thought, okay, I'm going to do something which 
I enjoy and I can actually call my own. So um, all those years ago, uh, I had a friend and we both wanted to do the same thing. We both wanted to do childcare. Um, so we said, okay, let's go into it together. We'll do halves, you know, we'll, we'll build a nursery chain. We start off with one, so we did. Um, uh, my partner was um, already a very big CEO of um, a very big business anyway. So for her to want to do this was just because of me. Um, she didn't want to do it for anything else. But unfortunately, uh, three years down the line, um, uh, it becomes messy when you work with um, a friend who then becomes your business partner. And unfortunately, uh, there's a relationship broke down and it was one of us has to take the nursery. And we went through mediation and it was who would like to have the nursery now and go ahead, but that would mean that you'd have to pay the other person to walk out. So it was a big challenge, and I, I remember sitting there um, with my husband and his team um, talking about this, that who would be able to now take on the business. And it was a lot to take on. Um, I was overwhelmed with my husband's job and my children, and things were happening. And I thought, oh, just give it to her and let her get on with it. But then I thought, well, I'm going to go back to square one again because I'm going to then have to start all over again and she's going to be in a man-made sort of business. So I thought, I'll take the challenge. I'll go for it. And my husband was a little bit sort of, are you sure you can take? And I said, yes, I can do this. So I then took on the nursery. Um, I dealt with everything that, you know, learnt my way up of how to sort of deal with the policies, procedures, the staff, everything so I had put everything into it and then now I have three nurseries now uh, they, they uh, between the three nurseries I manage about 72 people so it's it's quite a large sort of business and childcare is very different from managing somebody who needs a room for the night because you have to be sort of stringent with what you do with the children you have to make sure that you're on top of it all the time and Touchwood, I have never had a problem with anything regarding safeguarding or anything because we've always dealt with things properly. And now, you know, sort of that keeps me happy. Um, I know that there's something I can say that's my own and it's my own business. So I've accomplished what I wanted to do. You have accomplished so much. It <laughs> is. Honestly, it's, it's, it is so unbelievably inspiring. And, you know, I just, I, I have to ask before we sign off on a Busy Mumsy chat, for the Busy Mumsy listener who has huge hopes and dreams of having a glorious child, but then also doing it all, what would be your advice to hand down to them? Well, I would say that it's achievable. You can do it. Something inside you, there is for every woman on this planet we are sort of super moms. We can juggle five things at once where men can't sometimes. And we can do all the things, but do something which you feel happy about yourself. You are a mom. You've got lots of things going on in your life with the child, but do something that you feel that you can accomplish yourself. 
my story is that you can. I was, you know, sort of somebody who barely came out of her school uniform and now sort of now, you know, sort of the, the, the one person who's got sort of huge um, sort of uh, life um, with my husband and myself, but it's achievable. Just believe in yourself and everything else will follow. Amazing. I, I, I'm going to take that all in. Absolutely. Okay. You, you can do it, Ashley. Come on. You're doing it I already. Can. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. And I have to keep on reminding myself to keep strong faith, keep your confidence. And yes. when things get messy and sticky and awful, take a deep breath. Yes. Navigate through it and know that tomorrow is going to be another day to take it on. That's so, it. And look after your health as well, ladies. Yeah. It's most important. Massively. Sunita Aurora, I can't thank you enough for coming on the Busy Mumsy podcast. Absolute Thanks, pleasure. Ashley. Thank you, Ashley. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Busy Mumsy podcast. If you have enjoyed this week's show, then please, please give it some extra love wherever you download your podcast and give it a five-star rating, a high five, a kickball change, a yes, yes, go Busy Mumsies. And don't forget, you can find out more information about this week's guest, what we discussed, and everything else related to the world of Busy Mumsy by clicking the link in the show notes down below. Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip <laughs> off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford, and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.